23 of the All the Books show, recorded at the David A. Howe Public Library. I'm Eric Mickles. I'm Nick Gunning. Sorry, you know what I was about to do? I was what? about to say, also known online as Dust vs. Tweet. I was, thought I was Go ahead. We're doing my own podcast. Eric's then. also known online Mine as Dust vs. Tweet. Tweet. has no bearing on this podcast. But you forgot to say we talked... Yeah, we talked about book news, author news, and literary news. Yep. I just did an episode of... Uh, is a classic doesn't rock really so i was just like out of it this is eric's side hustle where he does a classic yeah. rock podcast what uh what are you guys on right now uh we just finished the last official hendrix album oh well, are so. you gonna mess with all the Jimi hendrix has no I mean, we're you, gonna, did, you did like the three we did the right? three okay and then we're gonna do a fourth episode where we talk a little bit about that last one the cry is a freedom yeah or something okay and then just talk about hendrix just the general, general. Yeah. okay so that makes sense there's, that makes there's sense. so many just like live releases of the guy oh i know i don't even know yeah that's where I can't like really follow. It's, it's too, too much. much. It is too much. It's, it's like somebody following your uh, with your Beatles, where you're my? like, these are in stereo. My but Beatles these are well, in mono. That's true. But these are the British ones, and these are the American, the American ones. ones. Very different. And these are the Dave Dexter with that cas- <laughs> capital wow wow sound. You yeah. Know? And then you're like, this I dig studio it. And I this dig studio. it. I like the American albums, but we're not talking this about the Beatles. This one has Ringo on the drums. This one has a trained monkey on the drums. That's that happened. Yeah. That happened once. <laughs> we're not talking about the Beatles or Jimi Hendrix today. We're going to be talking about some of our favorite books of the last decade. Hey, why do I feel like there's monkeys news? Is there monkeys news? Well, the, the monkeys, we all thought that the monkeys were basically done. done. Uh, as you recall, we had Michael Nesmith for the monkeys on the podcast a while back to talk That's about true. his, uh, his uh, literary output. Right. But the monkeys, Mickey and Mike, are going back out again on tour for a Mike and Mickey tour. How exciting. And they're doing a live album, which I'm excited about oh, because yeah. I, we saw the show together in yeah. Cleveland. And uh, I really, I really enjoyed it. Was hoping they do a live album, but I thought surely the window is passed on that. But no. And the Monkees' Christmas album, since we're recording right around Christmas, oh, uh, yeah. is now come out on special limited edition candy cane vinyl. What? Wow! When All we right. first so put it out, it was only news. CD. So I didn't. I only have a CD, and okay. I want the candy cane vinyl. Right. So if any listeners want to, <laughs> no, uh, but no. Today we're going to be talking about our favorite books of the past decade. But before we get into that, let's talk about the books that we've been reading in the last week. Instead of the decade. Yeah, just so the last these are books specifically well, the past week. We're talking about, for the spotlight, we're talking about our favorite books. We're talking decade, about yeah. just the books we've read the in the last week. Yeah. Any of these are going to make it. Uh, why don't you go first? Bookmark. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think so. You want me to go? No, I mean, I don't think so that you don't think the they're books gonna I've make been it reading are going to make the top 10 okay. of the decade. All right. What are you doing? Oh, so I was just... <laughs> <laughs> that was weird. I was trying to find the author of the book that I read because I didn't write it down. Oh, but anyway, okay. you finished Star Trek Revan, which I've read. Wars. Star Wars. All right. <laughs> it's going to be a rough December. I know. I guess it is. Star Wars Revan. I did read Star Wars Revan. Yep. Uh, so Khan has showed up okay, and sure. strikes at the... Benedict Cumberbatch Khan? Or yeah, Cumberbatch. Benedict Cumberbatch. All right. No. Um, all right. So Star Wars The Old Republic Revan by Drew Karpashin is set 4,000 years before New Hope. It's set mm-hmm. in the Old Republic era, which yes. and it's a sequel to the Knights of the Old Republic game that I played. Actually, both of them. I didn't realize it because... Uh, the character shows up in the second one uh, in this book, like halfway through. Anyway, the book would have been pretty good had it nailed the ending or had an ending at yeah, all. I re- yes, I remember that. The ending just kind of sets it up so that the Revan character... I Spoilers for Revan, I guess. But it sets it up so that the character can then appear later on, I suspect, in the uh, Old Republic MMORPG, yeah. the... Yeah, it's sort of, it does thing. feel like it's hanging out there a little bit. So it's Let, frustrating. No, yes. there's a little droid in this book. Yeah, and it's fate. Ha- when it's the fate of the little droid got me choked up. Huh? Because it's from the games too. And I was it's like, no, been, it's been a long time since I don't well, remember. You would have just known the droid from the book, right? But I had played like oh, you, two yeah, forty you, hour you RPGs. A long journey. With it. So when it was like when the character's like, no, I was like, son of a no, <laughs> no. <laughs> let me anyway, let me ask you this: Are droid. you doing like a wind up to the new Star Wars movie? Is that why you picked this up? Uh, I guess. Okay. It hasn't been, it's not like the last time I went Star Wars heavy. Yeah. Um, just, just picking up some stuff I want to read. The problem is I just don't really care about the novels too much. What, like I don't, you hate it when I talk about this, mm-hmm. but I don't really care about like the Trinity, like the oh, Luke, yeah. mm-hmm. Leia and Han. No, I don't. That's fine. In, I understand. I get in it. In book form, because yeah. I think a lot about those characters is in the actor's performance. Yeah. And I think you can write Han Solo dialogue, but you need, uh, Harrison Ford to deliver it to be 
as fun and charismatic as you think. So like when you just read, it's like, oh boy, he sure is written as a funny yeah. character without well, I, the I, charm of Harrison. I just read, remember we interviewed Martha Wells a while back about yeah. her Leia book that mm-hmm. she wrote. And then James S.A. Corey, those fellas, wrote a Han Solo one that was in that same series right. with Martha, well- Martha Wells. And that was like a classic stop writing yeah. on solo dialogue. And yeah. then that last shot that came out was a Lando Han book. Was mm-hmm. I swear it was ninety percent of Lando being like, Han old buddy. You know, yeah. I was like, okay, we don't so we don't need it. But let me just say okay. the Corellian trilogy by, oh, uh, yeah. by Robert Allen McBride. Roger Allen McBride? The mm-hmm. Corellian trilogy. Assault on Salona, all that. Uh-huh. Great. That's I think that's some of the best Han Solo that mm. you get in book form. That's uh, my plug. The the gist is that like I tried I've been just reading like the non yeah those Mm-hmm. character stuff so oh I'm, I'm really out of stuff those characters like. to talk yeah. about when we get to mine um and then i started reading michael Crichton, the andromeda evolution oh you did by daniel wilson okay i got a little quote here from the lost world the movie uh and malcolm when you try to sign like hammond it comes off as a hustle i mean it's not your fault they say talent skips a generation so i'm sure your kids will be sharp as tacks that's that's me talking to daniel wilson right so it's not (laughs) doing it for you this is the quote i'm thinking of every time i read here's the thing it's not a terrible book and let's let's just recap quickly Uh this is a sequel to the andromeda strain that's authorized by the michael Crichton estate written by daniel wilson who wrote robopocalypse that is correct and not only that when you say like the estate i took a picture of it it's a uh it's a publication now Crichton son Oh, some publication. So expect more of these. I would I assume. Guess, yeah, I guess so. Listen, when I read Robopocalypse, I thought Daniel Wilson. I really, I ate that book up. I read it in one sitting. I remember this. And yeah. I thought Daniel Wilson was. It read like a good Crichton novel mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, but okay. he wasn't trying to write as, as Crichton. Crichton. And so, reading the Andromeda Evolution, there's a lot of Crichtonisms in his writing, okay. but they're being overdone, and it's just not you know Crichton doing yeah. it. The every like two paragraphs is that one line sentence that says like things would not turn out that way. Mm. Th- this would be very important later on, or it's just like all these like. And at first I thought like, am I just reading into this? And then I just like put the book back away from me a little bit and I looked, and there were like five of those oh. one little sentences throughout the two pages, and I was just like, this is too much. But it was a thing Crichton would do, but it wasn't this much. Yeah, or it didn't feel like that. Uh, that's a real yeah. that's that's a real difficulty. I mean, I know I've talked about this before, but the Robert Parker books yeah. that the authors picked up, some of them, some of them go so far away from his style that it's like, what's the point? Mm-hmm. And, and some I think manage, like Ace Atkins, for example, with the Spencer books. I feel like manages a pretty good, a fine line of it feeling reminiscent without being a copy. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Also, it, this is being treated so. The book we read, yeah. the Andromeda Strain, yeah. was publicated in this book in this world as like a report. Oh, okay. and so there's a lot well, of going back. To it that. feels like a report. Yeah. So Michael Crichton was the person who oh, put God. it out there, really, in the book form in this one. So, oh, I there's don't a, like that. There's some kitchiness. I don't uh, like that at no, all. No kitchiness. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I guess I just want to be like, just write like Daniel Wilson. Yeah. That's fine. Right. Stop trying to write like Crichton. Ooh, that. That makes me not want to read this book. Sorry, man. Okay. <laughs> it's, yeah, there's just a lot of it. It's just, you know, it's it's imitation. But I I mean, at the same time, it's not on the New York Times bestsellers list this week at all. Mm-hmm. And it debuted at number 12. So, like, yeah. who out there is also going to be like, this doesn't seem like Crichton. Right. Where's the Crichton to pray? Yeah. <laughs> P-R-E-Y? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because he had to yeah, he write about yeah. nanites. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Boy, that is a deep cut of a joke, too. It was. You it really, really was, yeah. <laughs> At this it. point, we've done, what, six Michael Crichton episodes? If they don't, yeah. if they don't know, Look, we can't help you. Every time we do a Michael Crichton episode, we th- we swear it's going to be our last. Yeah. Because the man has been dead for 11 yeah. years. Do you want to do a, an ER episode? <laughs> we just talk about ER. So, anyways, I, I'll probably keep reading these books, these types of books, as long oh, as they put them okay. out there. Okay, all right. Um. <laughs> Oh, because I'm a sheep. Yeah. I'm a cloned sheep like <laughs> yeah. in Next right. by Michael Crane. No, no, it's not. My- <laughs> Darn it. Um, he's done it again, folks. Nom, 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 nom. He's done it That's again. That's an eater of the dead. I get but it. But he's an eater of books. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but at the same time, uh, I'm waiting for anything to happen mm-hmm. in this, which I guess is also the same thing as Andromeda Strain. Yeah, so true. well done, Daniel Wilson. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's all I've... Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, let's see. What have I gotten myself into this uh, I watched week? Frozen 2. Oh. Not good. Oh, not I good. I thought it was bad. Okay. It's... What's your feelings on the first one? It's good. 
Okay. And actually, the second one made me even like, wow, I can't believe how good the first one is compared mm. to this one. Oh, okay. Um, too much Olaf, no good songs mm, except for truth. one, maybe, but there's too much of that, ah, of yeah. it, and not enough like lyrics. I see. And uh, I didn't think it was funny. There were no stakes. Uh, I thought it was a waste of time for both uh, me going to see it yeah. and the people who made it. I feel bad because like technically, it's amazing, and like the actual people who like animated it shouldn't be ashamed it's like the writers they had five years okay. to to make a story that's a long time it's a really yeah. long time see I, I i've never been i've never really loved frozen and i i would put it well below like tangled or uh moana hmm. you, not you uh i think i like frozen the movie better than moana but i like the music really? in moana that better surprises than me music wow frozen. okay all right so you're entitled to your wrong opinions. Thank you. All right, let's see. What have I finished? I don't know. Um, this is this is kind of a hot mess of a uh, of a bookmark, and I'm not even going to apologize for it. So let me just start with I finished Little Women. Uh, I read this for our, our uh, Christmas cl- Christmas Classics Book Club. Uh-huh. Never read Little Women before. Of course, familiar with the uh, Susan Sarandon. Uh, why can't I remember her name? Renona Ryder. Thank you. Jeez. Uh, Somebody's <laughs> America in the mid two thousands. It's very confusing. <laughs> uh, I love that movie, you know, and we just watched the new miniseries, which we have in the collection here. Mm. I like that as well. The book just didn't do it for me. It's, mm. It is so sugary sweet, and everything mm-hmm. that happens in the movie happens in here only over the course of, like, hundreds of pages. Mm-hmm. So I just, I guess it's one of those things where I'm glad to have read it, and I didn't hate it, certainly, uh-huh. but I just found it better <laughs> suited in, like, a shorter movie-type mm-hmm. form, so... There are no so little women. Don't at me. Only right. little actors. Thank you. Uh, I finished the Peter Parker Spectacular Spider-Man run. Spectacular! <laughs> so volumes four and five. Really, volume four ends it, and volume five is more a setup to uh, Spider-Geddon, a big Spider-Man crossover. Chip Zdarsky's four volumes of this, I love it. Some, some of my favorite Spider-Man, so go and check this out. We don't have this in our collection, but we'll hook you up. Don't worry. I finished uh, I, a couple of Star Wars books because I'm, I'm gearing up for Star Wars myself. I read Star Wars Cross Current by Paul S. Kemp. This is the only time travel Star Wars book. Yeah. And it just doesn't, it doesn't cut it. doesn't do mm. it. it. It's entirely pointless that it's a time travel story. Like, there's no reason for that. Mm. And by the end of the book, it's just a completely moot point. So mm. I read this with some friends for a book club, and we were all just kind of scratching our heads like... Why do you take a sweet premise like that and then just disregard it? It doesn't make any sense. So Isn't your book club just you and four golden retrievers, though? Yeah, it is. Okay. Yeah, they didn't get it either. Or, and isn't it just you scratching their heads? Yeah. Because that's what they like. Yeah, well, that's pet ownership. <laughs> so, you know, I didn't love this. I think it was more set up for the next book, Riptide, which we're going to do for the book Ooh. club as well. So maybe we'll see that. Settle in. The other, yeah. The other Star Wars book I read was Journey to Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, Allegiance, which is a graphic novel, brand new that we have here in the collection. What was the point it's, of hiding that title? What? L- Lucas and Disney chain hiding that uh Lucasfilm and Disney hiding The Rise of Skywalker. They're like, "We're not going to tell you what the title oh, is for yeah. like 4 years." It's just yeah. like th- this does nothing. I know, it doesn't well, tell you anything. Yeah. Anyway, this was pretty good. It's set between Last Jedi and the new movie, and it's basically it's yeah. basically just about them uh, trying to trying to get support, trying to get some allies. Mm. Uh, it was decent. It was nothing to write home about, but it was decent. Our our good friend Shazam, Captain Marvel, <laughs> dearest home, uh, had I have his... just read Star Wars: Rise of Skywalker <laughs> Alliance, <laughs> Allegiance, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Is that is that Little Women reading Star no, Wars? No, that was you writing home about it. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, uh, anyway, Shazam just turned 80. Captain Marvel, it Shazam's first appearance was in Wiz Comics number two, you could never which tell. came out in December of 1939. A couple episodes back, Eric and I interviewed Elliot S. Magan, a longtime Superman author, but one of his first gigs was writing for Shazam when Shazam was uh, taken back by DC Comics. So go back and check that out, soundcloud.com slash all the books. Episode 189. But anyway, I read Billy Batson and the Magic of Shazam, Shazam! for the 80th anniversary of Shazam, and it was pretty fun. Uh, I liked Mike Kunkel's first four issues, wow. and then it switches to Franco and Art Baltazar, who do a lot of the uh, other ones, and it got real crappy towards oh. the end, so eh, it was fine. And mm-hmm. I don't know if you've started your Christmas book yet, because we've got a Christmas book club coming up, but uh, I read The Nine Lives of Christmas our Christmas book club coming up. I don't know. Sheila Roberts? By Sheila Roberts. And I can't talk about it now because we're going to do an episode about Little Orange Cat in the Window. Coming up. Yep. So we'll talk about it then. I'm currently reading The Twelve Clues of Christmas. 
by uh, Reese Bowens, part of the Her Royal Spinus series. This is for our Page Turners book club here in the library. Uh, that's it. That's it for oh. me, bookmark-wise. I watched a couple movies. You want to talk movies for a Dolomite minute? Dolomite is my name. We did watch Dolomite, <laughs> yeah. And our wives didn't enjoy it. But no. I, 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 I thought I thought Hillary liked it more than Kendra. I think that's probably true. Okay. I, you know, I think that, like, I think I was expecting it to be, like, funny, classic Eddie Murphy again. Mm-hmm. And, like, I thought he was good in it. And I thought the story was good and compelling. But it wasn't particularly funny outside of a couple, like, seriously funny Yeah, moments. the funniest parts are when they, like, are filming yeah. the movie Dolomite. And you kind of wish the whole movie was that. Oh, absolutely. Kind of a, yeah. uh, especially because Dolomite, you know, was done on such a low budget and everything. Yeah. And brought in like so many like, you know, unknown people. You kind of want like a uh, Be Kind Rewind or a... Oh, that's what I thought it was going to be. What's I, the, uh, what's the, Bowfinger? Yeah, yeah. Bowfinger kind of situation. I thought it was going to be the yeah. movie the whole time. And there's so a few, there's a one scene where uh, Eddie Murphy is fighting Wesley Snipes. And the facial expressions and the screams. Oh, <laughs> that, yeah. The, that second scream yeah. Eddie Murphy does was like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's just like yeah, it's just so funny. Really the funny. Fa- I watch. Yeah. <laughs> I watched. Uh, it's crew. Don't watch it with your family oh, on Christmas. Yes, absolutely, it it earns that R rating. Let oh me boy. tell you what. Um, Twenty one bridges. My wife and I saw in theaters. That was really good. Chadwick Boseman. Is this and, like Twenty One uh, Pilots? No, it's about a, a big drug bust goes wrong in the middle of the night on Manhattan, and so they close all the bridges, and they have like five hours to apprehend everybody. Okay, and it is just really good. It's just it just cooks. It's like. My wife said it was like a throwback to The Fugitive or those like mm-hmm. intense 90s thrillers and that's uh-huh. that's a really good that's a really good explanation of what it was and the music like the score in this should win awards because the score mm. pushes that movie forward more than almost anything so I really recommend that that was a lot of fun watch a sci-fi movie called 3022 Pretty good. Omar Epps and Kate Walsh uh, up on a space station. So it was it was fun. I don't want to. Can't say too much without giving away. But they're meant to be there for ten years, and things get a little out of hand. Finally, we watched Ralph Breaks the Internet, the sequel to Wreck It Ralph. Didn't like the first one. Didn't like this one. Neither did my son. So, huh? Two thumbs down for Wreck It Ralph. Yeah, my it was, wife. It was cool uh, to see the, all the like Disney princesses either. together with the original mm-hmm. voices and stuff. But it was also kind of like that doesn't fit with this movie. What's happening? Right. So, yeah. All right, that's it for me. Disney sequels continue to suck. Yeah, I guess that's true. I, I will defend Aladdin the King of Thieves until oh, my sure. dying day, but <laughs> I don't want to have that fight with you right now. All right. I do want to have that fight. Don't think that I mean I don't want to <laughs> have that fight because I do, but just not now. Okay. New York Times bestsellers list for hardcover fiction. Uh, we got Elizabeth Strout's Olive Again. Olive Again. Yeah. Here Wasn't come me. again. Olive again is filmed in front of a live studio audience <laughs> and is at number 10 uh, on the hardcover bestsellers list. And a follow, follow up to the Pulitzer Prize winning novel, Olive Kittredge. New relationships, including a second marriage, are encountered in a seaside town in Maine. Uh, number nine is The Institute. Not only am I tired of, was I tired of reading this book, I'm now tired of just saying The Institute by Stephen King is yeah, on this list. I'm tired of it too. It's dropping, I guess, so that's nice. What? Why are you... Why are you championing its fall because the institute was bad you're right you're right number eight night fire by michael Connolly, harry bosch and renee ballard return to take up <sighs> sorry i ran out yeah, of steam you're there. having a rough time yeah i guess i just i read these and i'm like great great Number seven, The Dutch House by Ann Patchett. Sibling relationship is impacted when the family goes from poverty to wealth and back again over the course of many decades. I've got no new bit for that. So Thank goodness. I guess that's the thing. Like We do this New York Times bestsellers list, and then we come up with a fun concept, and then we got a bit. It lasts a good three episodes, and then Disagree. I'm ready for that book to disappear. Hey, speaking of things that last for three episodes, you you had like 10 volumes of G.I. Joe Classic, and I never heard anything past like volume three. Huh. What happened? I read a bunch. You got derailed? Yeah. Well, it's on Comixology. Okay. And so I canceled my Comixology uh, subscription. So you lose the things that you buy, though? I didn't buy them. They were free. Oh, I, I was see. downloading them for okay. free, baby. All right. Okay. We'll get back to it. All Every right. now and then I'd, I'd well, I just think hurry our up for like another month and read some stuff that I, I can't I think our otherwise. listeners deserve to know. More G.I. Joe comics. Wow. That, yeah. Yeah, that came out of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, number six, Tom Clancy, Code of Honor, Mark Cameron, President Jack Ryan, Learns of a plot against America when he tries to help an old friend who has been arrested in Indonesia. So this is what I mean. Like, you got him debuting at number six. That Crichton book can top the ten. Huh. Sorry. <laughs> Boy. Sorry. You, 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 you threw yawn. that to me right at a big yawn. I'm, I'm sorry. So. Yes, you're saying that the Crichton book can't crack the top. and Yeah. Well, I think the difference is, and we talked about this a little last right. week, but I think it's because 
Clancy has never stopped. They've right. never stopped being hardcovers since Clancy's been right. writing them, and the schedule's been up. So you think Crichton's son should have been publishing stuff in 2009? Uh, honestly. Yeah. I mean, if And that's... again, like you said, like Jack Ryan is a known entity. Right, and right. What Michael Crichton doesn't really have like a reoccurring character outside no. of Anne Malcolm. Yeah. And that was only two books. Right. And you would not want to read a third one with him. Probably not. Also, that character's dead in real time. Yeah. So what are you going to do? Yeah. I keep waiting while reading the Andromeda Evolution to be like, we went off and got some sign, sign language speaking gorillas that had evolved yeah, off. Yeah. Th- I mean, I guess if I were them, I would work to create like a yeah. connected universe. Yeah. Why not? You I, know? At this point, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah. So because all those stories, like this one is treating the Andromeda strain as like 50 years ago. Yeah. Like real time happened in the 60s or 70s. And so it's just like, well, all your characters are gone then. Hmm. We're, one of the characters is the son of one of the characters from. Okay, so they're saying Michael Crichton was like a novelist or like a scientist? A reporter. A reporter. I don't know. I can't... Because the acknowledgments are written, like acknowledging the fictional people for making this known. Okay. And so they say, and also special thanks to Michael Crichton for getting the information out there. Huh. Interesting. Okay. Remember that super pervy book he wrote? We did a whole episode on Odds On or something like that. Oh, yeah. It was just all like sex scenes on a beach resort. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, number five, Blue Where's Moon. Where's the sequel to that? <laughs> <laughs> number five, Blue Moon by Lee Child. Jack Reacher gets caught up in a turf war between Ukrainian and Albanian gangs. Is Blue is uh, Brooke Shields in this? Or no. That? Okay. Yeah, that's Blue Lagoon. Oh, okay. Sorry. Uh, number four, Twisted 26 by Janet Ivanovich. The 25th book in Stephanie Plum's series in New Jersey Gangsters. Associates go after a bounty hunter's widowed grandmother. Does Brooke Shields play the grandmother? I guess she could at this she point. She could, huh? yeah. Yeah. Number three, The Guardians by John Grisham. Colin Post, a lawyer and Episcopal minister, antagonizes some ruthless killers when he takes on the wrongful conviction case. You don't want to antagonize ruthless killers. Case. I said case. You did. Number two, Where the Crawdad Sings by Delia Owens. Quiet town, North Carolina coast in 1969. A young woman who survived alone in the marsh becomes a murder suspect while also fending off the Andromeda strain. Is it the Dutch house where the family's poor and then rich then poor again? Yeah. See, I'm having a a Dutch house scenario with where the crawdads are because I was bored by it. And then I read it and was kind of like, okay, it was fine. But now I'm back to being like, just shut up. I don't want to hear about it anymore. So it's kind of like a rich, poor, rich thing. (laughs) So you're... Bored with this. I'm bored with hearing it again. You're bored yeah. with where the crowd has to yeah, be on the list. It's the back and forth, okay. much like in Ann Patchett's The Dutch House. Right. But I've come back around to being bored with hearing about crawdads now. Okay. So, well, number one is A Minute to Midnight by Bastille, the band. No, just kidding. A really? Minute to Midnight by David Baldacci. Yeah. Uh, let's see. When a real Atlee, boring list. When Atlee Pine returns to her hometown to investigate her sister's kidnapping from 30 years ago, she winds up tracking a potential serial killer i i think you got to do it sooner than that they say if you don't find in the first couple uh, of days dark you know yeah. <laughs> just saying 30 years is a <laughs> yeah. long time to wait before she's like i'm gonna look into this right all right is that yeah. it for the new york times bestseller list yeah that was number did one did you find those boring yeah 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 no yeah. i don't know i mean mm. we've got a lot of people here you know i'm happy for everybody who's picking up a book i'd rather read than not read yeah but at the same time i'm tired of seeing the institute i'm tired of Talk about North Carolina towns, yeah, Maine towns. I'm yeah. tired of Maine and North Carolina as as fiction centerpieces. Yeah, hmm. well, well, hope hopefully things will change. Now <laughs> let's <laughs> let's move into our segment. It's the it's the end of it's we're coming to the end of the year. We're coming to the end of a decade. We're going into the age of Aquarius. That's true. Aquarius is in the seventh. Okay. <laughs> what do you call these? The teens? Is that what you call like uh, Oh, what we're going in? Yeah. What we just finished. Like fifty years from now, we'll be like, remember the two thousand tens. I don't think you'll say that. Yeah. Well, I guess you say the nineteen tens, don't you probably say the twenty tens. Okay. I'm going to call this the 2010s. All right. All right. Yeah. We're in the 2010s. Looking back at the 2010s. So there are many a lists online of experts saying what they think the best books of the last 10 years Screw are. Screw them. 
We're not going to do that. <laughs> uh, we combed back through our personal book reading histories and came up with books that we liked the best that came out over the last and listen, 10 years. Goodreads did not make it easy. That's true. They're, they're going, go into your stats to yeah. look at all the books you've read and then click on by publication date. Yeah. It is disgusting. It is. It's, it's just a bunch of dots. It's a, it's a nonsensical. If graph. you dare to read more than one book a year, that yeah. that thing is useless. Yeah, forget so, about it. It looks forget like a Crichton it. graph. I was just gonna. You beat me to it. You beat me to it. There's graphs in a drama evolution. Anyway, That's the thing too. Yeah. So we're gonna be talking about some of our favorite books over the last ten years. Uh, not saying these are the best books that came out in the last ten years, but just our personal favorites. That's true. This yeah. was kind of a fun little walk down memory lane. It's true. I was kind of going through looking for my five stars and and the things that stood yeah. out to me and being like, oh yeah. Yeah. Most of them I wasn't surprised about. There was a couple where mm. I was like, five stars? Really? Yeah. Really? <laughs> so so I went to Goodreads. Yeah, I, did I clicked too. on 2010 to see all the books I read. And I went through like the four and five stars. Yeah. And I just clicked on them. And then we're hoping they were published yep. in that year. Yep. And then I just kept going up. Yep. So there were a few books. I'm like, 2009? Similar for me. Come on. All right. Well, do you want to just if dive this was in? The early, if this was the 2000 aughts, I would have killed it. Okay. I would have been so good at this one. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in gonna with start, yeah. with my first option here. This is one we've discussed on the Wait, podcast. Wait, so are we starting at 2010 or 2011? Oh, I did not do that. What? I did not do that. What do you mean? Did, did you do a favorite by each year? Yes. Oh, I didn't do that. I just did over the last ten years my favorites. You didn't pick a favorite book for each specific year? No. You... That's okay though. <laughs> That's all right. Mine is 2011. I didn't have a 2010 anyway. Okay. So really, you haven't yeah. read anything in 2010? Not that I think was worthy of making my list of the best. Okay. All right. That's a crazy... W- All right. Do you have a 2010? Yeah. Well, go ahead then. I, I picked I Am Not a Serial Killer by... Uh, Dan Wells. Dan Wells. Yeah. Uh, it was... You love that book. It was spooky. I made a mistake of reading it a weekend where no one was at the house with me, and I would just lock all the doors and turn off all the lights, and then I would just lie there and be terrified. Wow. So, yeah, I would say uh, in 2000, the 2010 book that I read, I Am Not a Serial Killer, was my favorite of those that Your year. favorite. Okay. Being published. These were not read those years. Oh, okay. But the, it was published in 2010. Well, that's 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 fine. Okay. You know what? I found one. I do have a 2010. It's happening. I was, yes. I've talked about this series so many times that I, I don't want to bore people with it, but Ken Follett's uh, Century Trilogy is really one among the best books that I've read in maybe my whole life. It's just, it's such a captivating look at a century of history covering you know, multiple continents and countries, generations of families, um, characters interacting in ways that you don't expect. And what's so amazing about it is that the first one, Fall of Giants, cover, covers World War One. The second one, World War II. And the mm-hmm. third, the Cold War. The third's the weakest link. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. The third one would not make this list. But right. the first two definitely do. Um, and what's so amazing is the sheer number of characters and locations and relationships. But he writes it in a way that, like, you just they click with you and you, you really become to come to know these people. And as the generations pass and the characters from the first book become the secondary characters to their kids in the second book, like anytime you get a little shot of that original generation, mm-hmm. it just really was a incredibly successful uh, trilogy. They're huge. They're massive books. So, like so a, this is just um, Ancestry.com, the yeah, series? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're, you know, they're, they're, they're about a thousand pages each. Yeah, I read Pillars of the Earth. Oh, God. I hated Pillars of the Earth for what I got through. And again, God bless you for <laughs> making it to the end. But the Century Trilogy, if you're a history buff, um, I don't even think that's necessary. But if you're a history buff, then definitely you'll like these. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think just story-wise, they'll they'll hold you. And he does such a good job of uh, giving you the giving you the environment that you don't really have to have a ton of mm-hmm. insider knowledge on World War One to enjoy these. But mm-hmm. uh, Fall of Giants, Winter of the World, and what is that last one called? Do you have Do you have that up there? No. Fall of Giants, Winter of the World, and Edge of Eternity. Oh, again, Edge of Eternity is kind of a stinker, but only because the Cold War is not as thrilling as actual warm well, roger moore wars. would have something to say would, he, that. would he say something differently yeah all right so that's my 2010 remember when judy dench is like i missed the cold war yeah that's always a funny thing to hear yeah uh so all right so then for me where are we we're in 2011 now yeah so uh was 2011 yeah 2011 is tricky for me so it was a pretty good year for some sci-fi books uh, Leviathan Wakes, Mitro, Micro, and Ro- uh, so Leviathan Wakes by uh, you just said their author's name, did I? Yeah, the two James S. A. Corey, sorry, James yep. S. A. Corey, okay. Micro, which was the uh, last official, uh, like finished, you know, 
the last Michael Crichton book mm-hmm. uh, that was written kind of while he was alive, uh, and Robo Apocalypse by Daniel Wilson. Uh, <gasps> Micro and Daniel Wilson. Hey, there you go. Apocalypse. Right there. But I, I think I'm going to have to give it up to Ready Player One. Really? Yes. Is that Ernest Klein? That's Ernest Klein. Okay. Um, I think I wanted to give it to Robo Apocalypse. I wanted to give it to Leviathan Wakes. Okay. Because I did love that book. But I think, um, there we go. I think with Ready Player One, I just like devoured Ready Player One in like a weekend, and it it scratched a whole lot of buttons. It kind of inspired uh, some things. Uh, I don't know, like future reading in my in my own uh, reading. It inspired some stuff I wrote okay. and whatnot. I just it, I just really ate it up. And you know, yes, it's been uh, it's looked back a little less fondly now because of how much it's just like a list at times mm. of things that like the characters read and maybe like geek bragging and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It's just it's just a Klein is just excited about all the stuff he like. He just made a book about all the stuff he likes. Mm-hmm. You know, like you you have to go in expecting that. So I think it lo- lost a little steam. Uh, it's like beginning of the third act, but it it had me the whole time. Okay. So yeah. How does it compare with the movie? Uh, they're different. They're different challenges. Okay. Um, different uh different games play different roles and okay. whatnot. So, um, but for the most part, the spirits there. Um, The Shining is not in the book. I see. So <laughs> yes, it was um, in the movie. Yeah. Okay. That's it. I All just right. um I really liked it. For I me? watched uh, the last Starfighter and War Games because of reading this book. So I love War Games. Yeah. I've never seen the last <laughs> Starfighter. Uh, for me, 2011, I have to give it to Stephen King's 112263. So this is uh I mean this this is another massive book and it's about a man who just kind of stumbles into a portal that takes him into the. Uh, uh, 1962 and they come up with this plan where if he can just get there and live there for a year we know all the specifics about how the kennedy assassination supposedly happened right. <laughs> wink and uh he's gonna get there and stay and stop it from happening mm-hmm. but if he goes back time resets and so he loses right. all of that and so it just becomes this thing where he's like pushing forward and pushing forward and if something happens he's got to go back and start from scratch and so the book it, you know it's massive it's you know again it's almost a thousand pages um and it it worked for me on multiple levels i mean i love science i love time travel mm-hmm. i love the way it's used in this where it's a very um it's not super scientific it's very much in the style of jack finney which uh stephen king acknowledges in the end that mm-hmm. jack finney who wrote time and again and other things like that was a major influence on this and you can feel that all throughout so as a fan of jack finney as a fan of time travel as a fan of jfk and that whole situation um You're it was fan of the jfk assassination? i'm a fan of like jfk and bobby kennedy and just that whole okay. that whole era i feel like the promise of that era and, and the, the tragedy mm. of that era is interesting for me to read about but i think this this book just worked for me across the board so um i read stephen king books where it's a uh, the institute's a perfect example where the pages feel like every page feels like 10 page this was the opposite 10 pages felt like one and uh-huh. i breezed right through it so i love it what do you got uh, all right, so for 2012, I thought about picking Cinder by oh, okay. Marissa Mayer yeah, I because like I did really like it, and also Scarlet, uh, but I haven't finished the series. Um, but I'm going to give it to uh, Silver Linings Playbook Oh, by yeah. Matthew Quick as my favorite book from 2012. So again, uh, I was just reading this at a t- so. I'll probably I'll mention this one more time after this as well. I was writing a book or a story or whatever. Uh, I was doing like NaNoWriMo at a time. Mm-hmm. And Silver Linings Playbook and another book that are coming up and Ready Player One were all very like influential oh, okay. on that. I just I just loved the story of Silver Linings Playbook. I, I, had, I owned the movie for a while. Uh, and then I was kind of cleaning out stuff. I'm like, I don't really... The, the movie's fine, but it's it's too condensed and it focuses on some things that I'm like, that's not... I don't know. I just really like the characters in the book. Uh, so I still have the book, and uh, yeah, I just think it's a. It really struck me yeah. a lot of times. So. Yeah, I remember that. I I agree. I think both the book and the movie are great. It, yeah. It's one of the few times where I actually kind of prefer the the lay of the movie better than the book. Mm. Like I, I like the way things come together in the movie a little bit better, but um, I think they're both excellent. So right. Good choice. So yeah. There you go. For me, 2012, this this is one that we did for a book club here at the library, one of my early book clubs here, and it was such a it garnered such 
conversation and the whole time we were reading it we, we just didn't know how to feel about it it's the light between oceans by ml stedman mm. so if you don't know this story it's uh it's kind of a tough read honestly um, it was a good read choice award winner in, in 2012 when it came out but it's about a couple who are on a lighthouse uh, the wife has a miscarriage and then shortly after a baby in a rowboat washes up on the shore and they don't have any way to communicate with the mainland and all that. So they end up taking the baby in. And by the time they can communicate with them, they decided, well, everybody knew she was pregnant and there's a baby. Right. And obviously this baby doesn't have anything. And uh, and so then the story progresses. And then you kind of find out a little bit more about where this baby came from. And maybe there's some roots that, that this baby has that should be honored. And so mm-hmm. it becomes it becomes a real like moral and ethical dilemma of what, should happen what's the best for the right. baby what should happen who who is who's right who's wrong and it just is unresolvable mm-hmm. that's what made it so interesting for the book club because we really just couldn't we really just couldn't come up with like what we wanted to happen and right and <laughs> for a book like that to stick that landing where you don't feel good about it it feels ambiguous it feels like nothing nothing could possibly happen to resolve it in a satisfying way to end a book like that and have it still work, I think is really impressive. So that's that's why this one made the list for me. Mm. It's a tough book. Uh, 2013. I almost thought about giving it to Kenobi. Oh, yeah. The uh, Star Wars book. Yeah. Uh, decided against that. Also decided against giving it to Dr. Sleep because I could never read Dr. Sleep again, even though I liked it. Uh, so I'll actually give it to the nonfiction book by David Ewalt of Dice and Men, the oh. story of Dungeons and Dragons and the people who play it. It was just one of those, uh, I don't know, somewhat travelogue, somewhat uh, history, kind of inside look into, you know, Dungeons and Dragons and whatnot. And I really liked it. And th- I've read a few, like, the history of D&D books afterwards, but I think this one was the most successful okay. that I read. I read that Gary Gygax, like the yeah. imagination one, and that one's very, you know, one-sided and whatnot. Um, this one I, I really liked. It, it made me uh, appreciate the hobby even more, so... It's cool. I keep trying to get other people to read it. <laughs> no, no takers on no that. No takers. It's a very specific yeah, audience, I guess. Yeah. Um, so I don't actually have a 2013. I didn't have a book that I felt like I read during that year that that tiptoed up. 2013 to the top was the year you spent on a Jungle Cruise. That's right. I, remember. I was on a Jungle yeah. Cruise. I was on a Jungle Cruise. Yeah. So um, wait, are we on 2012 or 2013? This is your 2012. Okay. All right. Um, so I'm going to give this one. No, wait, now I'm confused. No, I think it is my 2013. Yes. Goodness. All right. So I'm giving this one to a book called Domestic Violets. Uh, that's Violets Like the Flower, uh, written by Matthew Norman. So this is one that I read in 2013 that was actually published in 2011. I stumbled across this one oh. just completely by accident. Um, I wasn't familiar with the author. I didn't know anything about it. Uh, I like the cover. I like the synopsis. And it's basically about a man who is... I just I think he's an ad exec or something like that. He just has kind of a dull a dull life um and his father is this uh, beloved author and our main character is trying to get trying to get kind of off the ground um with his own writing career and just like can't can't quite seem to get it. Like people just won't pay attention to what he's doing because he's always in the shadow of his dad. And uh it's really it's really just about him sort of navigating his life and and seeing kind of coming to grips with the choices that he's made and finding a way to to make life work and it's just it's it's quirky and sometimes that can be off-putting but this this nails it really well like the characters all feel really real and really grounded um it's very relatable and it's just you follow them the whole time and sometimes he makes horrible decisions and you're like stop what are you doing but uh it's just it just really worked for me so again that's domestic violets by matthew norman Okay. Do you remember years ago when we were doing that thing where we'd give each other books to read and then we would report back on them? I think we only actually did it once with Starship once Troopers. Once Yeah. Okay. This was the one that I gave you last yeah. time. You gave me White Fang and I gave you this. Did I ever get my copy of White Fang and Call the Wild back from you? No. Oh, it's geez. right there on my shelf. <laughs> You're welcome to it. Although I'm still game to do it. If you want to read Domestic <laughs> Violence, I'll read White Fang. All right. Take it away. Uh, all right, so for books published in 2014, this was also kind of rough. Uh, there's The Crossover by Kwame Alexander, uh, which is a constant recommendation for me for kids. Uh, there was Console Wars, the history of Sega and Nintendo, which I had put off for reading for a long time, but then when I did, I just couldn't put it down. Uh, there was The Three-Body Problem, which um, might be a little bit too dense for its own good. Uh, and there was also The Martian, 
by whatever his name is, Andy, Andy Weir. Weir. But uh, in the end, as much as I thought it was going to end up in the Martian's hands, it goes to Station Eleven by Emily St. John Mendel. So uh, we did this for a book club here. We did, yeah. And I was the only one who liked it. That's true. And uh, I loved it. And actually, I still uh, the opening of this book still stays with me, uh, and I still find myself thinking back to a lot of the different uh, settings and uh, stories in this book. So uh, kind of a post-apocalyptic, but I don't know, a, a soft apocalypse kind of yeah. story. You're, mm-hmm. you're not going to have to read about like, it's not like Mad Max or anything. Um, it, I just really liked it. So um, I don't know. It, it it was more, its prose was written almost in poetry a little bit. Yeah, I agree. I think that's one of the things that put me off about it. I was expecting a more straightforward kind of book. And I mm. think like by the time I sort of got a handle on what they were going for, I was already kind of like out of it. Yeah. So it, it never quite landed for me. But it, I mean, it's it's being adapted right now, isn't it? It's Is being it? adapted for something. Oh, maybe. Like into oh, a, into yeah. a series. A I don't, show or I don't something. Know. Yeah. Uh, doubt that will be as good. Wow. But um, you yeah. You here first. So might have given it to the Martian, but... Um, Station Eleven has like stuck to me more. Okay. Whereas The Martian was just kind of like a, was more of like a thrill ride. Okay. So, up well, you, uh, your turn. Uh, I almost said up yours, but oh. it's, it's your turn. Oh, I see. So, <laughs> up yours. No. Oh, okay, sorry. Uh, I've got a two-way tie for 2014, Do and you? and it and it rolls right in with what you're talking about because one of them is The Martian. The Martian by Andy Weir. Although I almost feel like I need to take that away from him for Artemis. Yeah. No kidding. His follow-up. Yeah. Which is never just thought you could. Uh, you rescind an award from somebody's like later crappy work. Oh, like great so Mona Lisa, bad. but we sure hate this. Artemis Can is just Lisa. <laughs> I don't know. God, oh. Yeah, this isn't the anyway, Artemis book. We're not going to talk about Artemis. We're going to talk about The Martian. The Ooh. Martian is, I think, I really feel like it's one of those books that kind of changed the genre a little bit because I don't think there was a book like this before. I, you, I mean, it's agree? definitely like the most accessible hard sci-fi book that I can think of. Yeah, period. And, and that's that's exactly it because it is it doesn't shy away from that at all. Right. You get a ton of science and numbers. Uh-huh. You know, it's it's almost Andromeda Strain level, like <laughs> science huh. heavy. But but the character is just so good. Like the very first line, I'm pretty sure he drops an f bomb in the very first line. But right from the start, it just grabs you and is is a book that is just. It manages to be hilariously funny and like deadly serious at the same time. Mm-hmm. It just that thread goes through the whole way, and you're yeah. just with the character on this journey. And the writing is just so evocative of 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 the isolation of it all. And you just you feel you feel like you're there with him, and you feel like you're really like ro- invested in it and rooting for him. So, uh, the Martian. My other one for 2014, uh, because I refuse to make a decision between these two, is One More Thing, Stories and Other Stories by B.J. Novak. So this is a collection... If you're just going to pick two books that are the same genre, why even They're not the same genre. They're both hard sci-fi. No. No. The Martian's not hard sci-fi? It is. (laughs) Stories and Other Stories, uh, One More Thing by B.J. Novak, is a hilarious, hilarious collection of flash fiction. So some of these are... It'll just be like a paragraph, you know. Some will be a couple pages long. One, one will just be, you know, half a page, a couple sentences. But they just, they just kill. I don't think there's a bad one in the bunch. I, I, I honestly feel like this might be the best thing I've read. Like, and, and I really wow. think it is. It's just, it is so. In the history of humans, nothing is topped. Stories and other stories. It's honestly, it's just so, it's so fresh and it's mm-hmm. so clever and and just. Uh, it hits everything it attempts to hit in a wow. way that I just, I don't know a lot of other books that I could really say that about. Okay. So, um, it's different because, you know, it's a short story collection. It's not a, it's not a novel or nonfiction. So it's kind of um, in a separate genre there, but I have nothing but good things to say about this. And if you haven't mm. read it, you definitely should. Okay. Um, 2015. Thought it, there's a couple of like YA books I almost gave it to. Lost Stars by Claudia Gray, oh, that's yes. Star Wars book. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adrift, which was that story about the kids that got lost uh, in a rowboat yeah. out in uh, out in just the ocean, dealt with sharks mm-hmm. and other issues. Um, and this war, oh, the war that saved my life, which was the story of the uh, the girl and her brother who goes to live with the woman during uh, World War II, and they're kind of like abused at home. And okay, now they get like a real life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's going to Jack of Spades. Joyce Carol Oates by Joyce Carol Oates, our friend Joyce Carol Oates. Short read, uh, more of a novella. A novelette? Yeah. No, not Vella. Well, it's about 200 pages. All right. It's well, however there. long that yeah. is then. Uh, 
Yeah, that was uh, that was a book I read uh, for Halloween. I think I read it Ooh. 2015, right? Is that when it came out? Uh, I mean, that is when it came out. Yeah. Well, I actually think it was 2014 because you read it when Joyce Carolos was coming here, and that was 2014. No, that was 2015. 2015, I see. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, 2015. Uh, yeah, I just read this for Halloween 2015, and it, it was spooky. It was uh, off-kilter. The character was uh, crazy, but a lot of times in a uh, funny way, even yeah. though he made some terrible choices and did some terrible things. Yeah. There's one issue where he's like trying to find a cat outside of a dead woman's house mm-hmm. and it's just it's just like two lines it, it's one of those paragraph breaks it's just two lines and it's just hilarious yeah uh but the ending has really stuck with me yeah. so yeah it's a I, powerful book i when she and i were chatting like backstage before one of the events which right. was here and um i told her this is the only book that's ever actually given me a legit nightmare right because the way he breaks from reality is mm-hmm. spooky you yeah know, it's really and a lot of it is about somebody uh taking taking the other person to court claiming that they wrote the, the remember book. that right. the whole yeah. thing and uh, Joyce Carol Oates said that, that she wrote that because that actually happened to her right like this kooky lady came in and said she's stealing all my work and it actually like went to court and was a whole thing right and so she you know used that for, yeah. for the book so you can see some realism in there 2015 for me uh, this this book was everywhere. It was completely inescapable, um, and that's the girl on the train by Paula oh, Hawkins. Too dark for this guy over here. I know. No, uh, thank you. It's such a compelling mystery. Didn't it's, I read this before you? Was this book club for you? It was a book club. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This was one that I think just everybody read. Just yes. everybody, everybody in the it world. It was the Gone Girl of that year. Pretty much. Yeah, it was. Uh, I think the cover even said that, right? Yeah, uh, that sounds right. <laughs> but this this just worked so well, and it was it was something that. Um, I think this more than Gone Girl, this book had so many people trying to like capture the magic in the bottle. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You just had so many. Look, uh, I have another drunk heroine. Yeah. You know? And it just nothing ever quite like hit the same levels as this one. Though I have another one I'm going to talk about that people might take me to task on. But mm-hmm. um, Girl on the Train, I think, is deserving of the hype that it gets. I don't think the movie really lived up to the original no, story. I don't think anyone thought so. Uh, so don't be put off by the movie. I think the book is just, it's exceptionally well-written and um, very compelling. Mm-hmm. Very compelling. So I got to give it to that. Uh, all right. 2016, thought about giving it to Lovecraft Country. Oh, I remember that. Uh, because it took me a while to understand what the book was doing in terms of it being like a collection of stories that all eventually lead to kind of like a finale. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'll also, uh, I think I'm actually going to give it to Salt to the Sea by Ruta Sapitas, okay. which is a story of four different uh, youths during uh, World War II trying to escape um, escape the war. And they're on one of those, uh, they're on the boat that's actually, uh, I can't remember the ex- exact exact stats, but it's like the death count was worse than the Titanic oh, on wow. the boat. And it was mainly like people like leaving. It was mm-hmm. a civilian ship. Um, so, uh, you know, kind of has that... You can't look away disaster story right. uh, situation. Um, but it was one of those things where each character gets their own chapters. So with four characters, it really did move. It's kind of a thick book, but it uh, it kept my attention the whole mm-hmm. time. And it was a young adult book I was reading for work that I was reading at home, mm-hmm. which is usually a good sign. Yeah. So. Okay. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump ahead here for a minute because this ties in with the one I was just talking about. And that is The Woman in the Window by A.J. Finn. So this is one that I think had had a reputation of of being just trying to like recapture that uh, girl on the train mm-hmm. magic but i actually think this one had enough to separate it that um just it really worked for me it was it was about a woman who it's kind of a it's kind of a take on rear window like there's a little bit of that going on right but um there's a lot of things going on in her life and you start to realize she's a bit of an unreli- unreliable narrator right the things that you've kind of believed for the whole book you start to question you don't know what's real what's not and i think um you know all of that there's there's many books that can that can do that they can kind of throw you off like mm-hmm. that but i think that what kept this one um from from just being another one was the mystery the central mystery was clever and twisty in a way that i just i didn't see it coming mm. and i thought that i thought that all the pieces came together at just the right time it wasn't like you figured it out 100 pages before the book ends and it wasn't right. like you end and be like what like it all really hits in a perfect spot as you're reading it and uh it just uh I think it. I think it really lived up to the to the praise it got at the time, and so that's that's mm. one of mine. Uh, twenty seventeen, 
kind of a light year for myself in terms of just reading and books that I gave like four or five stars to. Almost uh, gave the award to All Systems Red by Martha Wells, but I'm giving it to Killers of the Flower Moon, The Osage Murders oh, yeah. and the Birth of the FBI that by was David another, Gran. That was another that was on the top ten list. Yeah, for, for a ever. while. Yeah. Um, and basically giving it uh, this this spot because it's a nonfiction history book, yeah. which isn't something that I normally read. Mm-hmm. Um nor do I normally read something about like the murders of a indigenous tribe, right. uh, indigenous, indigenous people, or like the birth of the FBI. Mm-hmm. But it it was very compelling, and I mean, this thing is history. But at one point, they revealed who had been responsible for some of the murders, and I gasped out loud. Mm. I'm like, oh my gosh! <laughs> but we trusted him. He had such good intentions. No, he was a bad guy. Uh, so yeah, it's it's. It was good. It had a lot of information. It read again like a thriller. Supposed to be coming a uh, movie or something uh, involving DiCaprio and Scorsese in some capacity. Oh, interesting. So probably more of like a in producer yeah. credits kind of situation. Okay. But yeah, I uh, I was shocked when I read it. And then when I was looking at my list, I'm like, oh yeah, I guess that has to be it. So my Mine for 2017 is one that you actually recommended to me was Exit West by Mohsen Hamidi. Oh Hamini. yeah. So this is a, I mean, it is technically sci-fi. You have, yeah, you have two characters, sci-fi fantasy, yeah, yeah in in a country that's that's you know right on the edge of civil war, and they're mm-hmm. kind of trapped. They just they have nothing that they can do with their lives to escape. They're just there, and then they find a doorway that leads them to another place where they can have a little bit more freedom, and how that changes their relationship and how that changes their outlook and perspective going forward really informs the rest of the book as you see them dealing with um you know freedom really for the first time they they have a new they have this new uh path before them and mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't go the way that I, any of the characters expect right. it to and i just thought the journey that they take is really interesting to me and the characters uh were really vibrant and it just uh, it, I, I liked it a lot yeah uh, I did too, but I th- the second half is what kind of didn't do it for me. I guess the, you know the part where they were just like stuck and they couldn't do anything. Uh, I thought the book lost some momentum, but it was. But I also understood as like, well, that's also how the characters feel. Mm-hmm. So uh, I guess good job there. <laughs> uh, Twenty eighteen thought about giving it to Contagion, which was a young adult book. Thought about giving it to The Loneliest Girl in the Universe, which was a young adult. Sci-fi oh yeah, mm-hmm. so. We interviewed author Lauren James we a sure few did. episodes back, soundcloud.com slash all the books. But the book I actually gave it to is Love Poems for Married People, uh, <laughs> Married People by John yes. Kenny. This was one that Malik, who's on staff here at the library, is... We did uh, like Poetry Month. Yeah, we talked he, about it for an episode. Malik uh, writes poetry and, and uh, is, is pretty well versed. <laughs> what? So I just made a pun. He's pretty? Sorry. No, 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 you missed oh. it. Well versed, like like poetry. Pretty well versed. Anyway, so for Poetry Month this last this last year, we asked Malik to find something for us to all read together and discuss, right. and he chose this one, and yeah. I loved it too. So yeah, yeah, uh, it's just very funny. A lot of the things still s- stick with me, and I'm not going to say which which things this is, which poems affected me this way, but there uh-huh. are some actions or things I used to do that now I've tried to really? not do anymore well, after reading this. I'm like, oh, I shouldn't do that I anymore. I guess your then. wife can thank Malik and the uh, author of this uh, <laughs> after, book of poetry. After reading, like, you know, some of the lines were like, there's one where, like, she, the wife is talking about her husband peeing with the door open, and she's like, every time you do that and you wave at me, I die a little. <laughs> I die. <laughs> and, I'm just, and that just, like, that I die a little has stuck with me. It's wow. so funny. So, so you're a door. You were a no, door open. No, not no, not me. I see. No, that okay. door stays shut. Okay. I don't want to talk to people when I'm no, in there. No, I, I agree. I agree. If I, I could, I'd have a deadlock on the bathroom. Okay. So I don't know why we don't. Yeah. Deadlock bathrooms. We should. If any place should be. It should be that bathroom. one on both sides. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I've got a couple for 2018 here. They're so different. Um, okay. The, Listen to this Renaissance man. <laughs> the first is David Sedaris's Calypso. So this is one I talked about this at length back when I was reading this, but <laughs> uh, this is a David Sedaris writes these very personal essays about his family and growing up, and and so like having read all of those up to this point, mm-hmm. I feel like I know this family so well and right. know him so well that this felt like sort of a. I don't. I don't want to say end cap. Like he's never going to write about this again. But right. in a lot of ways, it just felt like this epic conclusion to all those stories that I've read before, and it, and it kind of served to unite all those stories in this one big narrative, and to mm-hmm. see you know the older generation passing on and and things happening 
it just uh, as a as a fan of this as a fan of his writing in these books and and have gotten to know his family over the last ten plus years, uh, I just found this to be a very moving book. Again, I don't think that if you that if you I don't think this should be your first David Sedaris. Let me put it that way. Okay. If you've never read his other stuff, I mean, I would say probably start with um, Dress Your Family in Corduroy and Denim, or even Me Talk Pretty One Day. Don't start with Calypso because right. I just don't think it'll land for you. But uh, as a fan, I loved it and and recommend it to other fans. And then uh, a novel that I read was a, a last year's Goodreads Choice Awards winner, I think in historical fiction, was The Great Alone by Kristen Hanna. So Kristen Hanna also wrote The Nightingale, which I was not a fan of. That's true. But this one is about a family um, post-Vietnam post War. Um, they got nothing going for them. The dad, who is a problem, uh, <laughs> inherits a bit of land from a friend down there. Right. Um, and so they're like, well, we got nothing else. Let's just go down to this shack in Alaska. Mm -hmm. I said down, but it's really up. Right, yeah. Uh, and to the <laughs> west. Yeah, that's true. Northwest. So they head out <laughs> to their great alone yeah. and really just kind of homestead in Alaska. And, you know, the dad's dealing with PTSD and and the family's just kind of trying to make do at a time when you, that's not really a thing you talk about. And mm -hmm. I don't know, the way the way they have to figure it out um, just something about it really spoke to me. Uh, my wife's read it. A few friends have read it and nobody's liked it the way that I have. So mm. I don't know, I guess, uh, well, the Goodreads choice award will agree. Yeah, with you. that's true. That's true. <laughs> Although I think a lot of that was name recognition. I think that was, uh, oh, sure. you click there because you know yeah. that name from the nightingale, but yeah. anyway. Goodreads choice award is the, uh, voice of book rewards. Yes. Yep. The voice of the people. No, the voice. Oh, I see. The show. I see. I understand. Sorry. That was my 2018. You got a 2019. I sure don't. Oh, you don't? I haven't read a single book that was released in 2019 this year. Really? I've just been reading things that were published after then. Okay. So. All right. Yeah. I, I wanted to. I tried. I, part of me was like, I guess this uh, Andromeda Evolution wins by default at I this point. So, yeah. So until it's uh, taken back. So. All right. Well, then my final one <laughs> is Being John Lennon, A Restless Life by Ray Connolly. So I've read a couple other Lennon biographies in the past. It was cool that they were making the movie Being John Lennon and he agreed to play the role. In like the self-deprecating way. I don't get that reference. Being John Malkovich. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. All right. Uh, anyway, I've read some <laughs> other. I've read some other John Lennon biography biographies before. Philip Norman's I like. Um, there's a couple others out there. This one I thought was my favorite because of the way that it is. This, this is somebody who knew John Lennon not super well, but you know, I mean, they had. <laughs> well, a, then I'm going to write one. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it wasn't. I'm not saying like this is John Lennon's best friend or something, but he had <laughs> personal experience and right. like had enough there to kind of push it over the top to be right. a little bit more of a sentimental, um, emotional biography. And this one left me more feeling a little bit more emotion, emotional about John Lennon's murder and the things that. You know, we never got to see happen. We never really got to see him reunite with Paul McCartney. It was just all this potential that um, even with even with what was accomplished, it just felt like we were just about at this place where we could have seen something really spectacular happen. And then, you know, this senseless violence and something about that in this book, not in any of the other Beatle or Lennon books I've read before has it affected me like this, but I thought Ray Connolly was able, able to just really get down to it. And for me that, that, uh, that made this my favorite of, of these kinds. So, okay. Anyway. Yeah. That's a wrap. Uh, You're still trying to find a 2019, aren't you? No, I'm trying to find my favorite book that I've read in 2019. Oh, guess I don't have one. You don't have a favorite. No, the last two years I was looking pretty bad. Uh, not a lot of five stars hmm. being handed out. Uh, a lot yeah. of three stars. Ew. So read a lot yep. of two stars books. Been there. Been there. Yeah. One would say, nope, never mind. Those are our favorite books of the last decade. We'd love to hear some of yours so we can share them in upcoming episodes. So you can always find us online at soundcloud.com slash all the books. You can comment on the episodes there. Uh, Twitter at all the books show. Facebook, David A. Howe Public Library. You can email us at wellsville at stls.org. We'd love to hear from you about uh, what you thought of these books or uh, favorite books of your own. So you can find us there. Uh, we've got some exciting stuff coming uh, in, in, in the podcast, but in the library as well. The Nutcracker, of course, is back. This is our fifth year doing The Nutcracker, our sixth production. So we're excited about that. We've got uh, the Andover Ecumenical Choirs coming. The Book Club is currently reading, uh, what's it called? Uh, 12 Clues of Christmas by Reese Bowen. That's December 17th, so plenty of time to join us for that. Um, and then a lot of things happening in the kids' room. Uh, we've got movies going on. We're showing Christmas Story 2 because we showed <laughs> Christmas Story 1 last yep. year. Our annual showing of uh, Muppet Letters to Santa is coming up. So some pretty exciting stuff on the podcast. Uh, we've got we've got some exciting guests coming up. 
my old pal Bo Hutchings is going to be back for his third visit to the All the Books show. <laughs> yep. Last year we did our Christmas book club where we each read a Christmas book. Joanna Fluke's book almost killed Eric. Yeah, that was bad uh, stuff. So have you started your Christmas pony book yet? No. Okay. No, I haven't. <laughs> uh, so, so we're gonna be we're gonna be each reading a separate cozy Christmas book and then doing a book club on that. Uh, we're gonna be talking Star Wars and probably a little Star Trek, if we're being honest, with uh, sci-fi legend Alan. I don't Dean. think you can talk about Star Wars without talking Star Trek. I guess not. Uh, physically, I'll, I'll I don't think to, it's possible I'll have for to. you. Uh, first, I want to thank you for killing the momentum on that sentence, no by the way. But we're going to be talking Star Wars with Alan Dean Foster. Alan Dean Foster, who novelized the original Star Wars book, wrote the very first Star Wars sequel. Yeah. Be- before Empire Strikes Back was a twinkle in George Lucas's eye, Alan Dean Foster wrote Splinters of the Mind's Eye. Uh, he wrote some of the prequel books. He wrote, uh, just did the novelization of Force Awakens. Uh, many Star Trek books. Many, many, many uh, of his standalone series. So we're looking forward to talking to Alan Dean Foster in the coming yeah. weeks. Uh, and then, that is Christmas. Have you ever read Splinters it's of Christmas the Mind's Eye before? Oh, yeah. yeah. Have you? Yeah. Okay. I... I forgot that I had it. It's I, such, I didn't mean to. It is such a unique book because, yeah. again, it predates Empire Strikes Back. So right. he's writing this, and he doesn't know the relationship between right. Luke and Darth Vader. He definitely doesn't know the relationship <laughs> between Luke and Leia. <laughs> Spoiler alert yeah. on that. But reading it is just a weird... It like exists in this vacuum of yeah. when the only Star Wars was A New Hope, yeah. before it was even called A New Hope. Yeah, where, where are the people complaining about the expanded, the first expanded universe that was yeah the, where's where the splendor they? of the mind's yeah. eye expanded well universe? i think if you're at that point and it's like do you like the holiday special or do you like splinters of the mind's eye <laughs> unless you're b arthur you're probably going to say splinter of the mind's eye but who did b arthur play oh i don't know okay I, she's in it i've never seen it i've only seen clips i've mm. never watched the whole thing have you uh no just clips yeah so it's put that on disney plus you pretty, cowards yeah really <laughs> Anyway, Alan Dean Foster in the coming weeks, and I think that's going to do it for this yeah. week's episode of the All the Book Show. Yeah. Eric, thanks for providing your list. Yeah. All right, folks, we'll see you next time.